Hello and welcome to your weekly roundup of all the latest news and ramble about the world of electric cars from the team at electrifying.com. This week, we're talking about the weather. Of course we are. We're British. What else do we do? And we'll also be coming up with our wish list for electric car ownership. Welcome to the Kilowatt Half Hour. I am Ginny. I'm Mike. I'm Tom. Um, and you're going to have to bear with me today because actually since the last podcast, I've basically been in bed with flu. So it was it was my way of escaping the weather. So should we turn to the weather first of all? How I'm just quite interested to know how have your cars been faring in what was minus eight degrees here this morning? Which I know if you are not listening to this podcast in the UK and you're listening to it somewhere like Finland or Sweden or you know lots of other places, will be like, yeah, well, that's quite a nice warm, balmy day, but that's pretty cold for the UK. Um, yeah, what's been what's been going on with charging and battery capacity and all of that? Yeah, I think my battery capacity's plummeted. So you look at the the uh, the range, especially on the leaf in this weather, and it's like. Ah, okay. Yeah, I should have preheated and I should have done all the other things and I'll just have yeah. to wear a coat and turn off the heater, I think, at the moment. Um, but I've got a um, uh, on test at the moment, a Lexus RZ, which has something very clever, which is it's got mm-hmm. infrared panels in the uh, lower part of the dashboard. So it warms your knees using infrared rather than using like a proper heater and heating the whole of the car. And it doesn't seem to be much more efficient, but it's lovely because your knees get quite cold. Mm. It's surprising. You think, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially at my age. And then, you know, you sort of like, oh. Uh, so, yeah, you get in the car and after a few minutes, it's toasty. It's it's interesting, that sort of infrared thing. It's meant to use much less energy. Okay. Mike, how are you faring in the it's Ionic? So, it's, it's okay. But I, I, the other morning, I forgot to precondition it. So, you know, I forgot to, you know how it is. You kind of think, oh, I, I must remember to 15 minutes before, press the button, make sure it's nice and hot and everything. I forgot to do it. So I got into it. Um, so I dialed in a 21 degrees, whatever. So the, the fans all went up to number five. And of course it went crazy. Um, and I, I live at the, you know, going up a hill. And uh, all of a sudden the range dropped to 185 miles from full. And this is a car that's got almost 300 miles of WRTP range. And I was thinking... That's not got even enough to get me where I need to go. And fortunately, when I whacked the, when they got up to temperature and the the fan went down to number one again, it went back up to two hundred and thirty, mm-hmm. whatever it was. So, but for a moment there, I was just thinking, well, that's bad. Yeah. That's like a hundred miles off. Um, WLTP. It's never done that before. But I think preconditioning is the key. If you can get it warm, get everything kind of toasty when you get in there, that does make a huge yeah. difference. It doesn't really tend to affect your range. But yeah, getting probably about twenty, thirty miles less than I would get in the middle of summer at the moment, which isn't good. That's that, that seems pretty good to me, if I'm honest. I'm um, I'm in the I five at the moment, and because I probably unlike you, I'm leaving the house every morning at about quarter past seven to drop my son to the mm. school bus. So I just yeah. have it set to go every day, and it is such a joy getting into a toasty car. This has been I'm particularly feeling ropey and having flow, and getting up in the morning and the car's warm, and it's like oh my god, I love this car so much. I just love that thing about electric cars. Preconditioning is just a thing of wonder on a cold winter day. But in terms of range, I've been getting about 220 miles. So what's that, about 2.7 miles per kilowatt hour. So a fair bit less than uh, I would be expecting in balmier conditions, quite a lot less, actually. Um, And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because I just have that set ready to go 
um, every night. So, because I know that I'm leaving at a regular time. But I just wonder, you know, what about what other tips have people got? You know, do you always have your car ready to go, toasty, or are you a bit more like Mike? Getful. You'll hopefully try and remember to set it yeah. in the morning. But just out of interest, why don't you just set it for a different time? Never go time? at the same time. What, what stops I never you? Never go doing at the that? same time. This is the thing. It was. It was one of those things. I just thought, well. I'd, I'm a, I, I'm just do it. I always do it manually. I mean, the thing is, I go to running club at the same time every Monday night, so that's fine. I probably should set it for that. Um, funny enough, I used to set my i three when I used to go to night school to learn Italian, and I don't go to night school. I'm still learning Italian. Um, but the other day, I came past the car after I've been for a walk, and I noticed the heating was on in the car. And I haven't been there for three years, but obviously, I'd obviously left in the program to heat the car up at five o'clock on a Tuesday night. <laughs> um, and that was when I was walking past the car saying, why is the car or why is the I3 running? And it was only when I got back to the thing. Of course, it's in the driveway, so I never notice it normally going. So um, I've been to switch that off. So it's obviously burning through at half a kilowatt of power every every sort of Tuesday at five o'clock for the last three years yeah. without me noticing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you do set these things, you've got to remember that they're still on. Yeah, you do, you do. Um, and I'm the worst at doing that because I just have it set every day, Monday to Friday, yeah. ready to go at 7.15. And I don't ever, if I know I'm going to be away or not doing the run for whatever reason, I don't ever change that. I just leave it. And actually, I know this is not the done thing, but I'm going to jump around to the post bag because okay. oh, we normally do the post bag at the end. But we've had a question about that that I just think really fits in now with what we're chatting about. So let me try and find it. Um Okay, this is it. It's from Tatsun who said, I'm getting my first EV next month, a Nissan Aria. Good choice. I'm already confused about what what app I should use for charging it. My energy supplier, Octopus, say to use theirs. My home charging company, Omi, say to use theirs. And Nissan, naturally, say to use theirs. What app do you use for setting things like your, you know, your charging schedules? Do you use the charger? Do you use the energy supplier or do you use the car i think in his case if he's got an omi charger and he's got octopus then he can get octopus intelligent go which is the cheapest by far and gives you six hours of cheap um, power so i would use the octopus one because then you can be sure that you're getting mm-hmm. the cheapest power from them rather than using one of the other ones which won't necessarily give you that so that's my answer i am a luddite <laughs> And I basically just set it all up in the car. I just set my schedule up and have it ready to go like that. A few people have messaged in about because I my pod point broke over Christmas, so a few people have said, "Why don't you use the charger in the car?" Like Ginny said, um, I have tried the Hyundai one. Does seem to have a bug in it. It's the the Hyundai and the Kia EV6 does really? have in that you you set the time slot. Uh, you plug it in, it charges at that one, and then f- instantly forgets what that charging slot you put in. So the next time you plug it in, it's kind of it's gone back to default, which is like not having anything at all. So um, there seems to be lots of reasons why. And sometimes it keeps it, sometimes it doesn't, but it's not reliable. So you've got to kind of constantly keep checking that when you plugged it in, it's doing yeah. it. So for those people who ask why I haven't used the car, that's why, because it's not it's not been reliable. It's been slightly yeah. more reliable than the pod point, which hasn't worked. But yeah, I'm kind of in between solutions for this one i think it just depends on the car as well i think that that's the thing is there's no real sort of straightforward answer to this question is there because there's things like thomas just pointed out depends on what kind of tariff you're on just depends on on how actually um some cars are just really not set up i had a peugeot e208 
charging scheduling and that was a nightmare. I just wasn't set up to do it very well. So I think it just really depends. So it is one of those things that you do just need to probably do a bit of reading around and come and ask the questions to us here on the podcast um, because it does differ, I think, depending on a lot of factors, doesn't it? Which is the best mm. way for you? Mm. Uh, and just going back to the preconditioning, I've got the uh, the timer set up on my charger because it means I don't have to change it when I've got different cars. Yeah. But that means that it stops providing power except in those four hours at night. So that means mm-hmm. if I precondition and I put the preconditioner on, it's not running off the mains, it's running off the battery. So I yeah. have to... If I want to precondition using the mains, I have to go and boost from the app or the charger and then do it, which is a bit of a faff. It's almost easier to scrape the car. Um, with the ice. <laughs> no, it's so, never uh, easy to scrape the car. No. <laughs> I, I actually fundamentally disagree with that. There is no way that it is ever easier to scrape a car than getting into a toasty warm car. True, true. Um, so should we move on to, we thought that because it's still January and we can still look to the year ahead, we were going to come up with some of the things that we would really like to see change in 2024 to make electric car ownership just smoother, easier, better, whatever. So, um, and we'd love to hear yours as well. We've got a few things that we all think would, would we would really like to see happen. But do let us know in the comments below if you are an electric car driver or indeed if you're not, either what would convince you to go electric or what would actually make your experience easier. Um, so who wants to go first on this one? Anybody, you know, yeah, Mike, do you want to go, go first? first. I'll, What's I'll on your wish list? I would, this, is, this is a tough one to crack because I can understand the economics of this, but I would like to see public rapid charging becoming more affordable um, because I think at the moment, if you don't have a driveway, mm. I know there are options. And if you do, if you are canny, you can get a cheaper way of charging up. But for the vast majority of people, you're looking at paying 70, 80 P per kilowatt hour to charge up. And if you're buying privately, you're not getting any sort of kickback in terms of company car tax or anything like that. If you're just looking purely at the running costs, fueling costs of your car, there's so little to choose between that and petrol and diesel. Unless you really want an electric car, there's no massive advantage to do it. So, and I know we've, 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 you know, we've set out a campaign. We've campaigned for a reduction in VAT for um, charge point providers um, for, yeah. uh, but something needs to happen, doesn't it? Because it's not sustainable. It's not an attractive proposition to think you're going to be paying 80p a kilowatt hour for power when you're paying maybe 9p at night or whatever at home. So I know, I know the two things aren't the same. Um, commercial uh, electricity supply is different to domestic. Um, yeah. Would you agree? I think this is something needs to happen to, to make it more affordable. I would agree. I would agree massively. As you said, we've done a lot of campaigning around um, trying to get a reduction on VAT, which is, of course, um, only 5% on home energy, but VAT on public charging is charged at 20%, yeah. which means that straight away you're at a disadvantage. So we've done a lot of work around that. And I think why this matters so much is because if you look at the overall electric vehicle sales, they are going predominantly to people who can charge mm. at home. So we know that the last figure I saw was... 85, close to 90% of sales are going to people who have got access to home charging. Yet we know the stat is that around 60% of the UK um, can charge at home. So, you know, it's it's definitely something that we need to address because otherwise we're going to end up with this sort of situation where those people who can't easily charge at home are just not encouraged to make that switch to electric because it's too difficult and too expensive. Yeah. Um, Tom, what would be your wish list for 2024? 
Well, mine is also about charging, and I've just done a big bit of research into the best uh, tariffs for electric car drivers. And what I've realised is that if you want one of these intelligent tariffs, uh, like uh, Octopus Intelligent Go or Ovo have one as well, then you have to have a certain car or a certain charger. Now, there are two chargers, which are Omi or Indra, and then there's this list of car manufacturers. Now, as it happens, none of the cars I have are on that list, so it means that I'm paying more, and I'm paying more for a um, for a, sh- a shorter time as well. So uh, Octopus Intelligent Go, for example, you get six hours of, of the cheap electricity in addition to getting the cheap stuff for your car. Um, so the list is growing all the time, but I wish they'd hurry up and get the charges that I've got and yeah. the cars that I've got on that list because it makes a real difference. And not just to My- the cost, it's about greener electricity as well. My really big beef about that is... The cars, I can kind of go all right then because, you know, you've got to, there's a lot of work to do with manufacturers and OEMs to get their cars ready and all of that. But why only a couple of chargers? Because so many, it's not like it's anything special that those chargers do that probably our chargers don't do. And a charger is such a big thing to swap. Mm. So you're kind mm. of just like, you, you, you know, you're ruled out of it. There's just two chargers. I, I don't, I genuinely don't understand why it's only those two charges. Do you have any idea? Have you ever spoken I, to I think it's. About that? I think it's just It's just the software, as far as I can work out. So their software needs to talk yeah. to... It's, it's having access. ...or Ovos, but yeah. um, I, I think it's the same with the cars. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, yeah, no, I think that's a, re- that's a really good one. Um, mine would be charging-related as well, which that's I think is beef. quite interesting, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's definitely mm. the biggest thing that we... It's the beef. It really is the beef. Mine is more of a question, actually, is that is there a place in our towns for the slower AC chargers for only that provision? So I guess my my wish would be that we get a better mix of charging out there because we seem to be falling into this trap of we only have either really you know ultra rapids or we have lots of ACs. So in my local town centre and around quite a lot of the towns around where I live in Oxfordshire, they've put in banks of chargings, the local councils, but they're all 22 kilowatt AC, every single one. So there might be, I think it's like 30, there's about, um, yeah, about 30 throughout um, the, the two locations locally to me. So obviously not everybody's car will be able to take advantage of that faster AC rate. A lot of cars will, you know, won't be reaching anywhere near then. And the, and the maximum time you can park is three hours. So when I sort of do the maths on that, you start to think, when I, and I've done it, I've parked there for two or three hours just to see. And it's, it's a tiny amount of range that you're putting in your car. It's not worth it. I mean, it is, of course, it's, it's worth it, but it's not going to help people who are coming to the town who perhaps struggle to charge elsewhere, who would really like to top up their battery. It only works if you're able to park overnight and if you can you know you don't have access to home charging and you can park there overnight then it's really useful for you but I just get a bit frustrated that yes they've put all these charges in they're all very very happy and proud about it but actually is that really useful or do we need a better mix of charges in our towns personally I would rather see a couple of 50s and I would like to see some ultra rapids that will give people different options but that might just be me. I don't know. Maybe people out there, maybe you're listening and you're thinking, God, no, I love my, you know, my AC chargers and please don't ever take them away. But I just think there is a, a feeling that councils are very keen to get charges in and they're not necessarily thinking about the need of the people who actually will be using them. 
Any thoughts? And, uh, well, uh, if you've got three hours at 22 and your car charges at 22, like the, the area we've we've had, then you're getting 66 kilowatts, which is you never, kilowatt hours, yeah, which but, is but, a lot. But you know what? The, the fact is that those charges very rarely give that speed anyway. And they're in an area where um, actually parking is at a premium. So I know loads of electric car owners who literally just use them as free parking spaces. So they park and they'll pay a little bit and it might cost them an extra couple of pounds to park for the air. But you can't park and that's an option. Mm. I think, look, I think, I'm not saying we don't need them, but what I'm saying is I think we need to think a lot more about getting the right chargers at the right speeds into the right places. And I think that there is this thing about mm. numbers of chargers and I think we get a bit obsessed with that. And actually what is far more useful is thinking about what are actually going to be handy for the people that are using them. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. If I can uh, do what you did, Ginny, and go to the post bag again. That, that there's okay. uh, a, a, There was a guy called Steve Keeley, S-T-E Keeley, who said that um, uh, he's got uh, Aldi, 11 kilowatt charges at 24p per kilowatt, which first of all is is very cheap. But mm-hmm. I did wonder, is he only allowed to park there for like 90 minutes? Because that's not going to be an awful lot. So you'd have to sort of go to yeah. Aldi every day and park there for an hour and a half, which doesn't seem terribly convenient. I mean, if you could park in the Aldi car park for enough time to fill your battery, that's great. Yeah. But uh, I can't imagine that's true because these places do have time restrictions, don't they? They do. And you're paying to park as well. So you're not Mm. just, you know, you're paying to charge, but you are also paying to park on top of that Mm. as well. But yeah, I'd love to know what everybody thinks of that one. Mike, what do you reckon? Am I I I being chargist, slow chargist? No, but I I think that, yeah, there's there's, there's a few things going on there, isn't there? I think, you know, obviously future proofing, if they do generate, generally put out 22 kilowatts, I think that's kind of a deal breaking Thing. And if all cars took 22, then in that t- period, then it would be useful. I think what you were saying, the broader picture about being the right charge in the right places. You know, I stayed at a hotel the other day yeah. and they had a rapid charger in the car park, which seems pointless because there was someone who was obviously checked in, put the car on it, back in their room, probably sleep overnight, get the car in the morning. Whereas you're going to be there for overnight, aren't you, a yeah. hotel? So just have take that 50 kilowatt rapid charger out and just put a bank of seven kilowatt, yeah. put even for three kilowatt hours because most people will be able to get a, good, a fairly reasonable charge yeah. on that. Hotels mm. where people are staying overnight do not need rapid charges because people, I'm, I'm the only one who seems to go out in, you know, in your dressing gown, in the bathrobe to go move the car after it's charged, even if it's a midnight or something, because I'm conscientious <laughs> about that, but nobody else seems to give a rat's ass about it and just kind of parts their car and leaves it. And, <laughs> you know, reception say, oh, we'll know what room they're in, but we don't want to call them. So it kind of, you you're kind of stuck unless you check in at bank you arrive there bang on the check-in time yeah. you're not going to use it so yeah rapids in hotels daft idea yeah they are a daft idea um and again you know but but in answer to that that point about do they get the speeds they're not really getting because it must be a shared a shared connection then yeah oh yeah 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 it is so um yeah i just think that it's 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 quite a complex job fitting chargers and making sure you get the right ones and I'm not entirely sure that leaving local councils just to listen to private companies who will go this is the way forward put a load of these and it's great I think you know we do just need to give it a little bit more thought Um, but so that's a bit of our wish list for 2024 as I said let us know in the comments below or you can email us um, info at electrifying.com um, and yeah, we'd love to hear what would be on your wish list for 2024. Um, should we turn to the yep. news now? Anybody got anything newsworthy to chuck into the mix? Go on. 
Mike? Um, Vauxhall have announced there's going to be, a, uh, which we knew was coming, but they've announced prices for the longer range Mocha. It was the Mockery, now the Mocha Electric. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to start from £37,610 and go up to £40,000, um, which is a lot of money. Um, there's two things I think we wanted to sort of cover there. <laughs> you get to the bottom of the press release, which probably should have been at the top of the press release, that if you're buying this on finance, which as we know, 96% of cars are all bought on PCPs and everything, there's a 7% uh, contribution from the brand, um, so a seven seven thousand pounds contribution from the brand. So you think, well, why didn't you just make the list price seven thousand pounds cheaper? Then you would have a car that starts under thirty thousand pounds for a long range, you know, two hundred fifty mile cars. But everybody looks. I mean, everybody looks at the list price, don't they? Which is nuts because you don't look at a house price and think, well, I'm going to pay that for it in cash. People do buy it on finance, and the finance reads are reasonable. They're three hundred and ninety nine pounds a month, you know. But it's, it, people have this hang up and looking yeah. at the price and thinking that's a 40 grand car when it isn't. Uh, and as Tom pointed out this morning, um, there are some uh, very good, I mean, obviously not the, the long range one, the standard car. If you really want a mocker on your driveway, uh, Tom found a, a, 20, a November 2022 mockery with 9,600 miles on the clock. And the price was £15,000 to you. That's, so that's, you know, that's less yeah. than half. Uh, what the new one is. I guess the reason they're playing around with it like that is that it's it allows them that flexibility to hopefully reduce the discount. Yeah. Personally, if that is what they're thinking, yeah. I can't imagine that's going to happen anytime soon, can you? So, yeah, they should have just gone clean and gone, we're giving it a massive price cut and here's a, a slightly more affordable yeah. electric car. It does seem a yeah. bit curious. So that's my story. Um, and Tom, what about you? Newsworthy, newsworthy, news hand. What's been going on? Uh, well, one that caught my eye yesterday was uh, Start Rescue, the uh, who's a breakdown recovery company, saying that uh, the most common cause of electric car callouts is the flat tire, not a flat battery. And mm-hmm. I think we've known this, but everybody thinks that you know you're going to get stranded by the side of the motorway, uh, having run out of, of battery power. But actually you're more likely to uh, have to call them out for a flat battery or a flat 12-volt battery, uh, which I think we've all experienced. I've certainly experienced it more than once. But uh, even that apparently is less common on an electric car than it is on a petrol or diesel. Really? Mm, That does surprise me because we, we have all experienced that. And I don't remember quite as many people experiencing that with petrol or diesel cars. But whereas it's reasonably commonplace for us with electric isn't it yeah yeah well i think that the figures they give are 23.7 for uh for electric cars and 29 for petrol and diesel i think that you have to think that electric cars are generally newer and there are a lot of old petrol and diesel cars which will have weak batteries and therefore you know i, I would expect them to be higher on that but um uh, i think yeah you need to use your electric car to keep the 12 volt topped up, don't mm. you? That's that's the key thing. Yeah. If you leave it for a couple of weeks, all those systems, all those over-the-air updates and everything else start to drain the 12 volt and then you yeah. could be in trouble. Yeah, I've done a lot of work with Edmund King, who's uh, president of the AA Foundation over the years, and he's always said that. it's it. What goes wrong with electric cars? Just the same things that go wrong with petrol <laughs> and diesel. It's always tyres. That's the main common thing. Mm. But it, it's not quite as good a story, is it, or a headline to no. say that, really. Um, I think from the one that really caught my eye this week, being a football fan, was about the Euros. Because um, BYD 
have announced, haven't they, that they are going to be um, one of the main sponsors of the Euros. And what I thought was really interesting about this was the fact that if you cast your mind back to both the men's and women's Euros, it was Volkswagen who were the sponsors. Um, And do you remember that? And they had the little car. Do you remember the little car that carried the ball? (laughs) Yeah, bless it. Uh, Um, And Nissan before that, was it? Oh, yeah, it was. Nissan before that. But the fact that it was Volkswagen... Yeah, but for the fact that it was VW and the Euros this year, Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot because I know you're not the football fan amongst us. Where are the Euros this year? I've just given in, you quite a big hint. In in Europe. Oh. <laughs> I mean, okay, technically you are right. Can you can you narrow it down a bit, perhaps? I can't. That, I, I really. I'll don't put care you out of your me. misery. They're in Germany, yeah. so. And, and Volkswagen came out with the most Volkswagen Germanic line as to why they decided to not renew their sponsorship deal, even though they actually are in Germany this year. And it was about they they needed to consider cost discipline. Isn't that a brilliant line? Yeah. Cost discipline. So in BYD have swooped, signed it up. Um, for me, it was just another example of how, you know, when we look at all these brands that are coming through and, you know, we're hearing about new brands that are wanting to launch in Europe all the time from China. Um, BYD are one that are just definitely one to watch. They've got massive ambitions. And I thought that was just quite a nice, bold thing that there they are, Euros are in, in Germany, and it's actually BYD now that's sponsoring them this year. Yeah. So, yes, you, you know, know that, Tom, you'll be booking your ferry and heading over there and trying to get tickets desperately, won't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I, I use I use those sorts of championships to go for a drive or go shopping because I know it'll be quieter. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what do you as a football as my my fellow football fan, Mike? What do you reckon? I just thought I thought it was just interesting. It just shows you know just how much ambition BYD have got and I think. money. Yeah, but yeah, I think it would be. Um, I think it wouldn't have got unnoticed that um, BYD would have done it on in in Volkswagen's backyard, so to speak. You would imagine that Volkswagen would just do that for their own championship, wouldn't you? And I'm sure that was the original plan. I'd be surprised if that wasn't part of the original deal to have it for this one as well. But yeah, it's it's a cheeky move. Um, But it's a great move because, you know, BYD in front of a lot of people who won't have heard of the brand. So yeah, it's clever. Yep, that that pesky cost discipline. There we go. Um, right, should we do the, should we do the post bag? Should we do post postman Mike? Now you'll all be very happy to know if you're listening that because I've got um, a bit of a rotten um, chesty cough and a sore throat, I'm not going to do the song. Yeah, good. because I just don't think my voice could take it. So please do feel free to cheer. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, 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 on on the subject, I mentioned my um, Hyundai charging uh, quandary. Does it work at Tesla chargers? So thank you very much to David S, Nigel Hudson, and, and Robert Armstrong. All emailed a message in with advice saying they've tried it and it works very slowly it works so thank you hugely for, for for doing that um on the subject of being told off which i should we should always cover in the comments we're usually getting told off um gs says uh when you mention carplay you should also mention also mention android auto otherwise you're promoting apple over other manufacturers he says not all of us are i sheep uh with iphones android has a 70 percent global market mm-hmm. share so um sorry gs mm-hmm. um i think we were, whenever we mention it on the podcast it is from personal experience rather than part of a review and because we work in sort of publishing and media and production and everything, we tend to be an Apple-based business. I think we all have 
iPhones that were all iSheep, I'm afraid, GS. So um, that if we're referring to it, it is shorthand. But I think mm-hmm. in all our reviews, we do mention um, Android Auto as well. Um, but the best one, the best complaint, thank you, Obi Paddles on YouTube, who says, please don't do the Postman song ever again. Full stop. That was his comment. So, <laughs> Obi, thank you. Uh, uh, perfect. Done. Done just for you this week. Nicola will be back next week, and I cannot guarantee that she will adhere to that rule. So I have a feeling that Postman Mike might be back with his song yeah, next week. But, you know, you, you, you've got to pass okay. for one week. I'll rattle through a couple of others. I think we're getting on time-wise again over, aren't we, I'd imagine. But uh, yes, um, on the subject of uh, long drives not being possible in electric cars, um, <laughs> the greatest handle ever says, Stan at Kangaroo Island TV from Australia. Um, says I've just driven my Polestar long range on an epic. Oh, He's driven his uh, Polestar long range on a four thousand mile road trip around Eastern Australia at the busiest time of year. He had no problems with charging, even remote areas, and the car was amazing. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, you done, you've been there, Jenny. The size of Australia takes some getting used to, doesn't it? <laughs> you kind of think it's big, but then you look at it on a map. That's really interesting, actually, because I was there for my sister's wedding last year and I drove up from Sydney to Byron Bay. And I've got to say, I didn't. It's the first time in years I didn't drive electric because the infrastructure mm. on that drive, it just it just wasn't there enough for what I, I needed. Um, so that's really interesting. And also, I'm just so happy that we have a listener who lives on, King, on Kangaroo Island. I hope you live on Kangaroo Island because you are Kangaroo Island TV, because that is just such a glorious place. So, yeah, lots of love to anyone who's listening from Australia, because that's where my sister lives, and it's like my second home. Yes. But next time I'm there, I have driven electric cars around Sydney and actually found that, again, even that was still pretty tricky, I thought, um, charging-wise, but that was probably 18 months ago now. So it's good to see that the infrastructure is improving out there. That's good. On the subject of your first home, which as we all know is the greatest city in the world, Manchester, on the subject of charging in Manchester, because last week you said, where should I charge in Manchester? Because you were querying it. So we've had a lot of people reply. Oh, now, Ginny and Cruth, and Manchester has quite a few MFG charges across the city. In the north of the city, there are MFG charges at Moston and near Middleton. And Bracken Dog also gives some thumbs up to the um, MFG charges in Manchester, which I like MFG charges. They're okay. really good. They're usually in um, four petrol forecourts, so they've got yeah, facilities. Good. Never had a bad charge at an MFG charge. Mm. They're good. They kind of go under the radar a bit, don't they? Because mm. the others are okay. kind of, you know... The, your grid serves, your insta vaults, and everything are kind of a bit more high profile. But MFG are quietly making a lot of progress in uh, in in their sort of forecourt. So yeah, there you go, Jenny. MFG, it's the way forward. Well, thank you, thank you for those tips. I will I will make sure that I give those a try and tear myself away from the Tesla <laughs> charges at the traffic centre. Okay, um, which as you know, I'm very you keen are, on. Yeah. Well, they they work, don't they? So um, uh, not to feel missed out, Tom. Um, uh, Brendan McHale says he's in the same situation with you. He's just replaced his 2015 24 kilowatt hour um, Nissan Leaf. He'd, he'd replace it with an MG4. Um, and it's, it's the same way that you and mm-hmm. I get attached to things. Don't we? He says he hopes his old Leaf has gone to a good home. I mean, I always think that whenever I sell a car, I'm always sad to say, I hope it goes somewhere nice. He's the same. He mm-hmm. still has 65 to 85 miles of range. Um, but he's not happy. We're not particularly pleased with our comments about Chadamo about whether we should replace it. He said, "Not yet." If you want a thriving second-hand market at the lower end, and he's got a good point, isn't it? Because there's a lot of early Leafs and current Leafs that still have Chadamo. Mm-hmm. So he says, "Not let's not get rid of them too quickly." Um, mm-hmm. And he thinks a lot of people who could use a first-generation Leaf to commute in on the ULES, you know, low mileage, they might not do many more than sort of sixty miles a day. Yeah. So there's quite a good market for people yeah. using it for that. So. 
So there's that. Um, and what else have we got? Well, we've managed to cover off quite a few of them. So I think that's probably... Uh, oh, there's one about your Zappy charger, um, Ginny. Um, it oh, says, yeah. Ginny, does your yeah. Zappy charger show a failure screen or does it trip its fuse on the fuse board? Do you know where it's tripping it from? Do you have to go into the box under the stairs? Oh, it trips on it trips on the fuse okay. board. Um, if it's trips straight on the fuse okay. board. Um, yeah. He said, da, 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 da. He said if, if the former is a contact my energy, which we don't think it is, um, he's had the same problem. He's had the board replaced, which worked for a while, um, and it started tripping again. So, yeah, it does sound like it's in between the two, doesn't it? I imagine you'll get your electrician blaming the box and the box blaming your system. So, yeah, I'm afraid we've got no solution on that one. I'll have to wait for another week. Well, touch wood, it hasn't done it for a few weeks. It did it a lot over Christmas. It did it well, a lot, three times over Christmas, but it hasn't done it since then. And I am firmly of the belief that unless it absolutely needs to be fixed, then I'll just leave it and hope it sorts itself out. I'm a kind of turn it on, turn it off again kind of girl. That's my, that's my solution for anything that doesn't work. <laughs> brilliant it's not very technical but it, it does me fine <laughs> right i think we should wrap up on that note you have uh, uh been listening to the kilowatt half hour as always do let us know all your comments your thoughts your questions in the comments below and of course you can email us info at electrifying.com and we'll be back next week thanks for listening bye bye, bye.